The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. Welcome to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us this week on the Crude Life Week in Review, a place where we take the best interviews from the week, put them together in a nice little turnkey format for your listening pleasure here on this radio station. Thank you, folks, for tuning in here at the Crude Life Week in Review. Again, my name is Jason Spies. We've got a fantastic program in store for you. It's been a busy week, all kinds of things happening from pipelines to documentaries being started we've got brandon davis ceo of swan energy coming on a little bit later in the program and i'll tell you what he's killing it in colorado in the permian and down in the delaware so he's going to give us an update on that as well as some other activities and updates happening across shale play usa all right coming up in just a moment zach ellis is going to give us a trucking industry story about a relation to the oil and gas industry. Good conversation coming up about the trucking industry. And then Mike Vickers, Oil Field Now, shares some current success stories happening in the oil and gas industry. In fact, Mike Vickers with Oil Field Now has started a program highlighting, curating original oil and gas stories starring the oil and gas workers out there in Canada. That's where he's at right now shooting his oil and gas stories with Oilfield Now. He's got all kinds of followers, half a million or so, something like that. So Mike Vickers, Oilfield Now, Brandon Davis, Emron Khan with Swan Energy, and Zach Ellis coming up right now. Zach Ellis, Commercial Equipment Finance. Hey, thanks for joining the program, Mr. Zachary Ellis. I've got a couple questions for you today because I'll tell you what, the mood's changing out there. Some people are starting to open their eyes, if you will, at the winners and the losers, the people who are working hard, the essential workers, the labeling that's been done on people, who's getting checks, who's not getting checks, who's getting preferred payments, who's not getting preferred payments. It's turning into quite a deal. And then, of course, you got protests on top of it. So I'd like to talk a little common sense today. And let's, let's talk a little passion as well, because money is very personal, Money becomes very passionate. Money, of course, has a lot of power behind it. And one of the things that I noticed about this pandemic is that they did label workers as some people as essential and some people as not. And I'll tell you, the one thing that wasn't lost on me is a lot of the people that we need to operate the gears in society and everything else like that, they don't make a lot of money. They're on the lower spectrum of things. And so, you know, that's its own deal. But what I'm looking at is, Really, there's an investment class out there to where if you can figure out investments and you can figure out how to make things work, boy, that's that's really where the money seems to be flowing these days. I don't know. I just that's my observation. I wanted to get your opinion on that from people working hard to if you want to throw in the essential workers, you can. But you're out there be- busting your ass and beating the streets and getting people shaking hands and getting doors slammed in your face. So I'm curious uh, your opinion on that. 
You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Hey, I appreciate you taking some time to talk with me today, Jason. How are you? Doing well, sir. Doing well. I just had to make sure the fan was turned off. Of course, you know, I got the home. Actually, I'm in the garage. I got the garage studio going because, you know, we got a dog now. So uh, we took in a stray dog. Moochie is his name as he mooches off of our family. And uh, he's, he's under me right now as we're recording in the garage studio, getting ready to take off for our live recording session. So things are good, actually. We're growing. Uh, our audience is growing, which is always nice. And so, you know, but we're also, we're, we're busting our butt out there. We're working hard. I think we're making three cents an hour, Zach. I think we're making about three cents an hour here at The Crude Life. How about you? <laughs> You're making a little bit more than me. Oh, jeez. I'll uh, tell you what. It's ramen tonight. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, me and you both. So I wanted to take some time and, and talk with you today because there's a lot of things that I've seen. I've been on the program now, I think, for a little over five months. Um, and obviously, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it a lot. But I feel like every week I want to talk about something different. And we've talked about the refinancing debt. And we've talked about factoring. And we've talked about adding new debt. But I feel like now I came back from Tulsa last night. I left early Monday morning. And I spent some time in Tulsa. And I went out and knocked on some doors. And I think this is just an absolutely unprecedented time for anybody and everybody. Nobody planned for this. It's like March 2020 hit, and the world just went completely insane. We got hit with COVID, and then everybody got hit with PPP loans and the SBA loans, and then everybody was working from home. And after working from home, the people that couldn't work from home were the essential workers, and the essential workers were marked few and far between. Either you were in the medical field, you're in the real estate field, you're in the banking field, you're in the trucking, you're in the restaurant, you're in the gas station, so stuff like that. But truly what I want to talk about today is if you're looking at finances and you're looking at your equipment and you're looking at your assets, if you're a trucking company, equipment is your lifeline. If you're an oil field service company, whether you're midstream, upstream, downstream, equipment is still your lifeline. If pumps aren't out there working, if rigs aren't out there working, if trucks aren't out there working, all that stuff is a guy's lifeline. And what's important is money, who he finances it with. Money's an important topic and it's intimate. But I feel like today we need to dive deeper into, hey, who are we getting money from? But B, if we need help right now, where are we going to go? The reason I gave you that little bit of a tease in the beginning about some of the just vibe out there was I'm glad you brought up the trucking industry because I was going to ask you about the trucking industry. The DAPL pipeline issues are going on. It's on, it's off, that sort of thing. There's pipelines that are, are getting shut down, and what, the Atlantic pipeline out in the East Coast. So when you see that, that's going to ripple into the rail and into trucks. So for me, if I'm an investor, if I'm an entrepreneur, I'm looking at the trucking industry right now, actually last week, because as the pipelines get closer to dates where they're either going to shut them down or they're not going to shut them down, the one is for sure, um, but the trucking industry is going to have a little bit of a, of a resurgence, which I don't quite get because I grew up and the rail was kind of the backbone of the economy and the trucking industry was the arteries. The trucking industry was the backbone of the economy, but it was also the arteries. And so it just was so different to me as I saw all these essential workers and this and that, and the trucking industry got hit hard. And I, I could not understand that because how how are we operating as a society without truckers? And so it made me think a little bit. And 
the reality is, though, there are opportunities right now opening up for truckers who have been laid off and had problems over the last, you know, six months because of the COVID thing. So just your, I wanted to get your comments on, you know, the trucking industry and what you see for opportunities out there. Sure, sure. I appreciate you bringing it up. My entire background, my entire lifeline has been trucking. My grandfather, his grandfather and my uncle all have been in the trucking business. My uncle down that lives in Florida worked for Watkins Truck Lines back in the 90s and was one of their C-level executives. So transportation is really my background, kind of some background. If you're just listening to this podcast just now, I started in the automotive business directly out of high school back in 2011. I uh, started in the sales department and worked my way up to the finance department and understood that side of it. And I said, you know what, after almost four years here, why don't I try to get on the commercial side of it? So I started at Kenworth selling used and new trucks where I learned the process of trade packages, selling off used trucks, finding fleets that buy groups of used trucks, and also... To listen to the full-length interview with Zach Ellis or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Up next on the Crude Life Week in Review, we're going to be sitting down and talking with Mike Vickers with Oilfield Now. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. The Crude Life with host Jason Speece. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Up next, Mike Vickers with Oilfield Now. Hey, Jason. Mike Vickers today tuning in. I'm the guy that is from Oilfield Now, the new news website, the oil and gas sector that will only give you positive news that is true, created around this industry by industry professionals. But what I'd love to talk about today is basically this concept that was given to me and an opportunity to really showcase the oil and gas sector in a different way. And that is going to be piping a new television show that we're going to premiere across a few media giants and really showcase the struggles and what we overcome in this oil and gas sector. And I really want to push the media in a different direction instead of showcasing all these horrible things about our sector. But instead of that, let's highlight the amazing technology we have, the amazing workers we have, the struggles every day that these workers put their families through there's so much that's untold and we're going to try to tell those stories now you said oil field now is that right yeah oil field now is my original brand that's something that i've actually grown to be one of the biggest online reaches in the world for the oil and gas sector we have a reach online now of about 10 million a month organically we don't spend a dime in advertising we never need to i don't think we ever will with our reach but we we have a, a reach that hovers around 10 million a month we got about a million followers through oil and gas sector across Facebook and a few other social platforms. And it's just been truly incredible. We launched a news website for this that is going to only be true to the oil and gas sector. We're going to keep everything on there, oil and gas. 
And basically within the first 28 days of testing the traffic, we pushed over a quarter million views and that wasn't pushing very hard. So we know there's something there. We know the people want to see a better spin on this industry. We know people want trusted news sources and we know there's a massive audience that's ready to basically receive this. So we're taking advantage of this. We're going to push forward in every front. And personally, I'm about to start branding myself and promoting a better oil and gas sector with a few key players around the industry because the media is just truly killing us out there in every aspect right now. I find it interesting that's the direction you guys are going. Um, we've been, I think it was four years ago now, where we actually in our in our marketing kits said the word non-political and non-polarizing in our uh, marketing kits. So we, we let people know that we're not going to get into the sensationalness. We're not going to get into the uh, political side. We'll talk policy, but we're not going to get into, you know, that the whole boiling the blood type of a thing. And we, again, with the positive uh, approach too, and our approach was to focus on the innovation, to focus on the environmental aspects, because every which way you look, there was something positive going on in the oil and gas world. And one of the things that you guys are doing that I like and we try to do as much as we can, and it's difficult in the oil and gas industry because so many people are humble, is to focus on the people and to really humanize the industry. And the thing that, uh, Mike, that you do and that you're trying to do that caught my attention is one of the things that I've, this has been our biggest challenge, is to humanize the industry because that is the one thing I think is going to do really well to help the industry's public relations across the globe is to let people know that, you know, energy is people and it's an industry and et cetera. So um, just I, I, your comments on my observation of kind of your mission and your direction of that humanity and humanizing the industry. Yeah, basically what we've done is we've reached out to people across North America and a few across the world as well over the last few months before we started production of this TV show. And what we've seen was a huge disconnect from what is actually said in the media and what happens behind the scenes in this industry. I think you're bang on here. Like, this is a more people-driven industry. It's not about the bottom line of a soft price. It's not about the bottom line of the price of oil. But it's the people throughout this industry and the struggles they have. They overcome crazy amount of things daily to get to where they are and just to ensure they provide for their families. And what we've seen over the last couple of months of this research, there's a lot of untold stories and we want to be the ones to really showcase these people and to show their stories in a positive manner instead of the way the media does portray them, unfortunately. So one of the ways here at The Crude Life, we're trying to continue our positive stories, our positive uh, approach to it is next week, we're actually going to be in Greeley, Colorado doing live uh, recording sessions where we're going to bring a couple people in, in front of an audience of 20 to 30 people. And it's titled Living the Crude Life. And the reason is to talk about how people are living within the crude life because our name, of course, it's crude, that sort of thing. You've talked about this TV show and some of the approaches that you're going to take towards um, giving us some positive stories, some positive news uh, you know, kind of just in the same way I cited an example from what our company is doing, explain how your television program and some of the next steps that you're taking within your organization to 
uh, deliver that positive message to the masses out there, if that makes sense, if the question made sense there. Because it did in my head, but it became very long. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Like, basically, again, the whole idea behind this show was to give a positive spin in this sector, uh, be a voice for the industry workers out there. So there's a few different ways we can do this. We've teamed up with industry leaders to make sure, basically make sure that the true oil and gas culture comes through. Uh, we're going to do that in many different ways, basically from using real oil and gas workers as actors. Our leading actors are true oil and gas workers from the industry and even still within the industry. Producers still in the industry, have been in the industry, great experience. The director that we have, the show's owner, has been around filming things from everything over in Hollywood all the way to here up in uh, northern Canada. Great guy. And after vigorous talks with this person, we really see a great need for this and we have the same image and end goal in here and it's so nice to align with these people to create a positive outlook but there's a lot of key things here and i think if we can highlight the people the real technology that is created for the sector that makes it a safer place than what we see the positive culture the family-like atmosphere that these crews really put in place you can go to any oil rig, any pipeline gig, any frack site, any any job in between, and all the crews you're going to see there, it's very raw, but they're together. They're a family. And that's what another thing is we want to showcase. This isn't just a couple workers that are working gritty out there in a rig or a pipeline gig. It's a family and a culture and people that are making those sacrifices. So, again, it's about telling their story and really giving them a positive outlook. So this is going to be produced, and and did you say scripted? So it's going to be like storylines and et cetera, or is it going to be like a reality TV-based? You know, Because you mentioned uh, you're going to use real oil and gas workers as actors today here. So I, there's just a couple things that uh, kind of seem like, okay, did I hear that right? Did I hear that right? So just uh, talk to me a little bit about the actual finished product, how it looks in your mind. And so, but the part I did hear correctly though, is real life oil and gas stories and real life oil and gas workers in the finished product. Exactly. My friend, this is something that hasn't been done before. There's a lot of people that made an attempt or wanted to do something in terms of what we're doing, but never had the full product in the end. Basically, what we're going to do is we're going to use those real oil and gas workers. We have a script that is compiled from real stories from around the street, from around North America. And we're going to put these real oil and gas people in a television show that's going to tell these stories. So it's something that isn't coming out of Hollywood. This is coming out of our oil and gas industry by real oil and gas professionals. So like I said, this is something that is really unconventional, never has been done before. But what I'm seeing so far, this is going to be a huge hit and really showcase our industry in a different way and to show that our industry is not hopes and dreams, but it's real people that are doing real jobs and creating a real-world culture. Do you have any examples of any storylines that you can share or I guess uh, just kind of give a little taste? Yeah, basically, I, I of course I can't say too much, but the biggest thing you're going to have to do is tune in to see this and follow along. But for some teasers, there's a whole lot 
of people in the pipeline industry that come from. And that was Mike Vickers with Oilfield Now. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Up next, Brandon Davis and Emron Khan join us. They're from Swan Energy, and they've got some insight and information on where the rigs are currently operating. I know you're reading about rig counts going down across Shale Play USA, but up next, Brandon Davis and Emron Khan are going to tell you where the rigs are operating. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Titan Solutions is now in decontamination services. Their proven process kills 99.999% of all common viruses, bacteria, and fungi, including... SARS, and the viruses that cause the COVID-19. Call Titan Solutions today for your disinfected ULV fogging, wipe-down, electro-spraying, commercial, industrial, medical lodging, decontamination needs. That's Titan Solutions. Give them a call today, 970-539-8066. That's 970-539-8066. Proudly serving the oil and gas industry using organic products, decontamination services, Titan Solutions. That's Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Up next, Brandon Davis and Emron Khan with Swan Energy. Brandon Davis, Swan Energy. Emron Khan, Swan Energy. Thank you both for joining me here today for this very important topic about uh, mining money, is what I like to call it. And checking out a story here. Coming across the internet, Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones Natural Gas Investment helped pay for Ezekiel Elliott. Now, I didn't want to get into the help pay for Ezekiel Elliott part, but what caught my attention was Jerry Jones is getting back into the oil and gas, at least uh, publicly he is. Uh, Natural gas is a big part of it. Of course, we know the Haynesville play is where uh, Jones was had some activity. I think he even bought some. Uh, rights there, some mineral rights there in the last month down there. So that would bring in Brandon Davis and Imran Khan to talk a little shale play USA, where to invest, where he sees uh, some of these different activities happening. You know, last time we talked about uh, Warren Buffett getting back in and he bought the pipeline and we'll talk to go to access in just a moment. But uh, gentlemen, how are the two of you doing today? I'm doing great. 
I am too. And this is definitely Imran's wheelhouse on the Jerry Jones topic. Oh, are you a I'm fantasy a football player. player, are you? Well, so I, I also own a restaurant too, and, and uh, Jerry is a visitor of the restaurant. Oh, and, no kidding. Uh, he, he's come by and spoken to me a little bit about some of the natural gas plays that uh, uh, that he's been making. And uh, it's, he's, he's definitely a very intelligent man around the, the oil and gas space, and I, I don't know much about football, so I, you know I'll take the fact that the football part's great too, considering he's one of the most active uh, uh, football owners, uh, the team owners. Well, I remember before I got into the oil and gas world, I did a sports talk show for about six years, and somebody once said to me, you know, Jerry Jones made his money in oil and gas back in like Arkansas or something like that, and so I started paying attention to that a little bit because I thought, boy, if an NFL owner makes more money in the oil and gas world than in the NFL world, I should probably pay attention to something like that. So my guess is if he's buying into a shale play or talking about it, it's it's probably something to at least pay attention to. So, uh, Brandon, where, where are you taking a look at some opportunities these days? I know you guys are actively buying some natural gas leases, so uh, talk to me about that. But also, where, where are you seeing the uh, good opportunities right now? I see good opportunities for as, as far as cash flow working right now. There's some in the Permian in the Delaware um, and then all, all of the DJ basin right now. And the Wattenberg field in Colorado is phenomenal, even with prices where they are right now. And uh, interesting about Colorado. Uh, a lot of people, of course, would bring up the regulations on that. I was going to say, talk about politics and the oil and gas world. Yeah. It's been a wild Right. I guess they were trying to put a bunch of new ballot initiatives on the ballot, but they did not get regular signatures and had to do it online. And then the, basically the court said that that didn't count. So they're not going to be on the ballot, which is a really good thing mm-hmm. um, for Colorado. But what a what a mess that state has turned into. I, I will tell you this, though, there's lots of oil there and it's cheap to produce. And so um, hopefully we have some time before things get crazy there like they are up there in your neck of the woods which just blows my mind um shutting down a pipeline because they need to have a new study done that's already been done is that what i understand that is that is correct and and the irony behind that is by not using a pipeline you're actually becoming less safe and you're actually causing more environmental impact um ne- negative oh, I know. environmental impact by putting more trucks and rail cars on on in the system, as opposed to just going I mean, to the pipeline. It's like they would prefer people prefer people to get their water delivered to their house in a truck versus have it piped in. It just makes no sense. It's so much less clean and much more risky with trucks on the road and everything. I don't get that at all. Um, somebody is just out of their damn mind. But that doesn't surprise me because there's lots of people like that right now. I do fear, the though, problem, that... The problem, the, the problem is right now is you have this little bitty group of people, small group of people across the whole country making a bunch of ruckus and getting things changed when the reality is 90% of us either don't care or disagree, but no one will say anything. And that those are the people that need to start talking or we're going to keep dealing with this crazy stuff for a long time. And I'm tired of it, personally. I'm just, I'm exhausted from the ignorance ruling the world, and it's just out of control. I'll bring this up then, because earlier in the week, we talked with uh, Bill, William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. They just won the Supreme Court, North Dakota Supreme Court case, to where they're not a big polluter. Now, they, they've 
proven their science for the last 18 months, 24 months, to show that they are going to be a minor source in terms of uh, pollution and that sort of thing, which makes them equivalent to a restaurant. Uh, In all honesty, their refinery is going to be so advanced, they're going to be similar to a restaurant in terms of uh, environmental footprint. So we talked to him. We talked to Paul Wiseman. He's been an oil and gas writer for over 25 years. And we did talk about an interesting concept that came up a little bit organic, is that the oil and gas industry used to be very proactive on things, very proactive. And in the last five to 10 years, they become almost reactive. And this environmental movement has shown that they're, they're becoming reactive again. So I'd like to figure out how to become more proactive on some of these things and, and take the bull by the horns once again. I don't know if you guys agree, disagree, or want to comment on that, but that was an organic conversation that came up twice this week. Yeah, I don't know a whole lot about it. I, I'm, what, what, do you know, can you give me a little more light color into why the Supreme Court case happened in the first place? Well, it turns out that there was enough uh, lobbyists and enough uh, envir- environmental uh, activists or climate activists that put pressure on the system to where one of the judges said there was a uh, further review. So it's like an 18-month, 24-month review that they're going to need, and they ordered the pipeline to be emptied by August 5th. So we're talking about you know a two-year, uh, I guess, hiatus for that pipeline until there's going to be a further study done. And over the past three years, there hasn't been any problems on that particular part of the pipeline with the new technology that they've added and a few other things. And so I, I don't know. It's, it's very confusing because it, to me, it came out of nowhere. I mean, I, I, I follow the oil and gas industry more than the average person, but probably less than, you know, the in major people, but, I follow pretty good. I mean, because I'm, you know, we're interviewing people every day and posting stories every day. So this one came out of yeah. out of nowhere to me. But to me, what I see as problem is now you've got welders and pipe fitters, guys who deliver porta potties, guys who are hauling, you know, uh, water and other things that are going to be out of work now because this pipeline's going to stop and. There was a lot that was going into these these different supply chains with the pipeline. Just like when, you know, these oil communities shut down, the cafe owners get hit hard because there's nobody around to, you know, buy their pumpkin pie anymore. So that's, to me, is, is where I see a real problem here is the supply chain, not only from the oil and gas, what is it, 55,000 barrels a day or something like that it pumps through, that side is going to be there in terms of not being able to flow through. But then there's the whole supply chain of the Keystone XL pipeline to begin with. So uh, that's how I kind of look at it is, is, is there's, there's a, several issues at bay here. And this is what makes it so tough because the average person just says, oh, shut it down, it's a pipeline, and they won't listen to anything else, you know, so... Anyway, but um, I don't think that's the average person. I think that that's a specific group of people who are either paid to do what they're doing or crazy. And it's amazing to me that you have these guys are trying to build a refinery uh, and they had to go through all the way to the Supreme Court to get the refinery approved to be built. 
I mean, all that's proven to me is that there, that all this craziness going on in the world right now is simply making it harder for people that don't have a lot of money to get it. And it's costing the people who have a lot of money a lot more to do normal things that, that you could do before without a lot of trouble, which ultimately just makes them richer. So all this craziness going on right now is literally separating further every day the rich from the poor and people that have little businesses that do porta potties and weld and all these things that have set up to do these jobs aren't getting paid right now because they can't. And so uh, to me, I, I just don't understand the whole the whole situation in this country in general. This is one I part of it, but it's all over the place. And and I'm just frankly, I'm tired of people not saying anything about it. Well, only last if you don't take off your mask. If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Titan Solutions is now in decontamination services. Their proven process kills 99.999% of all common viruses, bacteria, and fungi, including SARS and the viruses that cause the COVID-19. Call Titan Solutions today for your disinfected ULV fogging, wipe down, electro spraying, commercial industrial medical lodging, decontamination needs. That's Titan Solutions. Give them a call today, 970-539-8066. That's 970-539-8066. Proudly serving the oil and gas industry using organic products, decontamination services, Titan Solutions. That's 970-539-8066. Set up to do these jobs aren't getting paid right now because they can't. And so uh, to me, I, I just don't understand the whole the whole situation in this country in general this is one i part of it but it's all over the place and and i'm just frankly i'm tired of people not saying anything about it like you can't talk about it oh it's absolutely nuts it's crazy how about you emron you got any comments what do you think about what uh kelsey warren has to say about it about the pipeline and shutting down by august 5th kelsey warren i'm going to get his quote here because it's it's absolutely fantastic and it's, um, well, it's, I guess it's not so much a quote that it's the, out of Bloomberg here, Yahoo Finance is where I'm quoting it from. The Dallas-based company run by billionaire Kelsey Warren said Wednesday that it's not currently emptying the pipeline and, in fact, is accepting requests for shipments next month. I think it's fantastic that he's taking an opportunity and spinning around and turn it into a sales call because... Bloom- That's a badass right there. Well, totally, man. Bloomberg reaches a lot of people, and if you're going to try to gotcha me, well, guess what? We're going to keep going, and we'll take your sales call orders, too. I think this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
I, I, I think I would have had to have the same response. Well, that's some quick thinking, actually. Uh, to yeah. me, that's that's getting the, that's a great example of being progressive again instead of being reactive. You see, he's just he's saying no. We're not going to react to you. In fact, I understand that you just did the legal order, but guess what? Pipelines are critical infrastructure. Did did we even discuss that yet? Pipelines are critical infrastructure. Also, pipelines, and this is a blanket statement, are the safest and the most, most environmentally sound for energy distribution, especially in that realm, because we're talking about trucks and we're talking about rail cars and a number of different things like that. So, I mean, I get where he's coming from, and I think it's great that we're getting back to this again, this proactiveness. I don't know. I mean, some people might call it bullying, but I don't think so. Yeah, I think overall it's, it's really nice to see that people are actually being entrepreneurial about it. Uh, you know, I think there's going to be a lot, a lot that's going to happen, um, you know, redoing studies just because they want to redo them, you know, at the end of, you know, more or less putting together all these pipelines and things like that is just was been going on for what three years or something like that. Yeah, and I saw this in the Bakken with the Davis Refinery with Meridian Energy is uh, they basically were trying to bleed these guys, uh, you know, hemorrhage money from these people, and that's a new strategy by a lot of the environmental activists and a lot of the climate activists is basically keep people tied up in court. William Prentice called it the new normal last year. In fact, it might even been a year and a half ago now that I'm thinking about it because he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe how much how much daily court interaction he had because of this uh, new refinery he built. And so the pipelines, that's a lot of the, 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 the part I'm seeing too. And I'm glad they're, they're starting to say, okay, that's it. That's it. Okay, we're getting – I don't understand this crash course, honestly. I, I don't understand the crash course because if you take a look at humans as, a, as the last 150 years, we were burning hay and then wood and then whales and then fossil fuels actually got humans off of whales into kerosene and then we went to coal and then to crude oil and then basically now to natural gas, which is a hydrocarbon or two. So the clean energy evolution has been happening naturally by humans for 150 years long before the Sierra Club came around. And it had to do with innovation. So um, I, I, that's the type of, I guess, pro- pro- progression I'm talking about as opposed to you know, reacting to the new Green Deal by saying, oh, we got the shale Green Deal or whatever they said. That, that was a reactive thing. That's, that, there, there's a couple examples there, but... Um, anyway, guys, I'm not even sure I asked a question in there. I just kind of verbally diarrheaed for a while there. Well, there's a lot. Yeah, you do that sometimes. I know. That's all right. Um, <laughs> so do we. It happens. It happens to the best of us. I, I, I the whole situation. I, I, being proactive is important in any business and in any industry. And I'm quite sure that the oil and gas industry is about as proactive as we get as it gets. Not many, not many industries can compete with that. I don't believe. Not to mention, as we've talked about every time we've spoken about anything in this industry, you know, people are talking about how bad the economy is, and I'm telling you, it's just like it has been three or four times in the last ten years. So it's nothing new. Um, I think that that is a much bigger story. Is is how how I, I would venture to guess that if you're talking to oil and gas uh, executives 
they might be a little bit under pressure and a little bit stressed out because there's a lot of uncertainty, but generally speaking, no one's really worried because we've been here before. That would be my guess. And I, I'm, I'm sure that's kind of across the board. And I think earlier today, uh, the EIA mentioned uh, they had an article that came out stating that the obviously the first six months have been pretty bad, but uh, it, it seems that they feel that uh, the worst is over. And uh, I think they were saying that, you know, we're, we're going to be about 5 million barrels. To listen to the full-length interview with Brandon Davis or Emron Khan with Swan Energy, go to thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. That's going to do it for this week here at the Crude Life Week in Review. I'd like to thank Brandon Davis and Emron Khan of Swan Energy once again for coming on today's program. Mike Vickers with Oilfield Now and Mr. Zach Ellis. Thank you very much for joining us this week at the Crude Life Week in Review. Of course, all of those interviews, those exclusive interviews, can be found at thecrudelife.com. That and other interviews as well. Plus, daily updates as well as content from all over Shale Play USA. We always have activity going on at thecrudelife.com. We'll be back next week at this time on this radio station. Thank you, folks, very much for tuning in and listening to the Crude Life Week in Review on this radio station. And this week, if you have a chance, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Reach out and contact your radio station and see what they have going on. You'd be surprised. It can probably help your business. I know they can help your business because right now, so many people are listening to the radio as they're driving around from different places. They're working in the backyard. You know, there are so many activities that we do in today's day and age that are hands-free, whether it's milking cows or mowing the lawn or maybe it's working out. A lot of people are listening to the radio today, so check it out. See what your local radio station has, what they can offer you. And you know what? They want to hear from you, too. They always want to know how they can improve their product and deliver it to you, the listener, at the end of the day. So, folks, thank you very much for tuning in and listening to this radio station. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening to the Crude Life Week in Review. We'll be back next week at this time on this radio station. From the staff here at the Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866 866- Five three nine zero eight six zero. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. Just a human.